You're about to watch a great interview on TYT interviews. If you wanna watch them live, members are the only ones who get to do that. TYTnetwork.com slash join, become a member, enjoy the interviews as they happen. Hi, this is Wes Clark Jr. and welcome to TYT interviews. I'm joined today by Jonathan Zucker, founder and CEO of It Starts Today, a fundraising mechanism for Democratic candidates that was launched this year. Jonathan, good morning, how are you? Good morning, I'm well, thanks for having me. So let's talk about It Starts Today, and by the mm-hmm. way, you have a background in finance in both the legal and entrepreneurial level. That I do. Um, I was at the DNC in 2003 and 2004 for the John Kerry election, and at the end of my time there, uh, Howard Dean came in, Governor mm-hmm. Dean came in as the new chairman, and he brought in some people who just didn't seem to find my skill set valuable. So I decided rather than try and force the issue, I'd go look and find something else to do. And I came across this pack that at that point, pretty much nobody had heard of. It's called uh, Act Blue. Mm-hmm. And I dropped Ben and Matt, who are the founders of Act Blue, a note and said, I had this one idea that caused me to find you and here are 15 more that we should work on together. And they said, sounds good. And I went and I worked with Act Blue for the next four years, helping to take them from 800,000 to 850 million, sorry, wow. 800,000 to 85 million. I should not- 85 million that. is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And more importantly, from my point of view, and this, this feeds into the story later, I also was the architect of taking Act Blue from purely federal elections all the way into all 50 states. Okay, and so it starts today. Mm-hmm. What makes it starts today different than previous iterations? The major difference between It Starts Today and what's come before is that we are funding every single Democratic nominee. Uh, We're not picking, we're not picking our nominees. We are not picking our races. We're not deciding this is a swing district. This is a pickup. This is one that needs to be defended. We're funding every Democrat who's running for Congress in 2018. Now, is that funding for their primaries or funding for the general election? General election. We are funding the actual Democratic nominee. And, you know, that's for a couple of reasons. First is we're just neutral. Um, the, the battle that we're interested in is the one between the left and the right. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, no matter how disappointing a Democrat is, they are still better than any Republican being in that seat. Well, let's talk about disappointing Democrats yeah. for a second. So we had a discussion the other night on Old School about mm-hmm. Joe Manchin. Mm-hmm. And should Joe Manchin be defeated? And how is he going to be defeated? And how does Joe Manchin's performance in Congress compare to Republicans in Congress? Well, that's the thing that I think a lot of people on the left don't pay enough attention to. And that is that uh, no matter how upset you get with him over an individual vote, he is still distinctly better than even the best of Republicans. Uh, 538.com has, has something they call the Trump score, where they keep track of every time a member of Congress votes with the president. And when you sort that in absolute values from 100% of the time down to, I think the lowest is like nine or 10% of the time, mm-hmm. you find that it's all the Republicans and then there's a gap and then Joe Manchin. And so while Joe Manchin, you know, I don't always agree with him myself, he's still better than the alternatives. And most importantly, he, like every Democrat and the two independents, would vote for a Democratic leader of the House, or mm-hmm. sorry, of the Senate. And that's what happened to you know the Garland nomination. It wasn't that you know he lost. It was that Mitch McConnell was you know unwilling to allow a vote on the nomination. Leadership is the single most important votes that our legislators make. 
and every Democrat votes for a Democratic leader. Mm -hmm. So what are we looking at in 2018 when it comes time to fight these people and the money that we're up against? Mm -hmm. And how does the Democratic Party compare to the Republican Party in terms of financing nationwide races? Yeah, the Republicans have long had a money advantage, except at the very top of the ticket races. Like we do a pretty good job stalemating them in the high profile House races, in the Senate races, governor's races, and certainly at the presidential level. Um, that's been true for a while now. But where Republicans have a really sizable advantage is as you move down the ballot. And I'm including the less high profile House races when I say down the ballot. They they just have deeper pocketed donors in larger numbers than we do. But what we have is we have incredibly large numbers of what I call small to medium sized donors, folks mm -hmm. who give in the single digits, double digits, triple digits. What the Republican Party has is an awful lot of people who can give four, four figures. Yeah. But the nice thing about what we have is we have numbers and that gives us a lot of flexibility that they don't have. So what, when you, do you, have, do you have, like, yeah. what are the numbers? The numbers are, I mean, I actually haven't taken a look recently at the Democrat versus Republican numbers. Um, but the Democrat numbers alone are really distressing when you look at 2016 and the US Congress. In about two thirds of the races, we did fine. Mm -hmm. um, in two thirds of the races, 269 of them, the Democratic nominee averaged $1.5 million in their race. In the other 166, you know, slightly more than a third, uh, we we didn't raise more than $155,000. So for the general campaign, yeah. that's for, what a Democratic- for the, This is actually for the entire primary and oh, general. Oh, okay. This is both. Um, so you had 166 Democrats who raised 155 or less, and the numbers are actually a little more depressing than that. 112 of them, it was 36 or less. Mm -hmm. 79, it was 10 or less. And actually in 29 congressional districts, in 2016, we did not have a Democrat on the ballot. Oh, wow. Like, not even on the ballot. We actually didn't have one on the ballot in one of the Senate races, which is even more, um, Mind even more difficult to understand. Yeah. What, um, these candidates were able to raise $155,000 total. Mm -hmm. Any of them win? Uh, yeah, there were actually were one or two um, incumbents who didn't raise very much, might have had some from the last cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and or were in just very safe Democratic districts, but by and large, no, they all lost and they lost badly. And, you know, for the last 20 years, really ever since we lost control of the House in 1994, the Democrats have been looking more and more and more at just at, at fewer and fewer races. We have gotten more and more targeted. Efficiency is the watchword of the day when it comes to uh, campaign finance. You don't want to waste your money. Mm -hmm. And what that um, approach does, and it is the correct approach for every individual election. Like if you're just trying to win back the majority in 1996, it is the right thing to do. But it's not a not a long term strategy. It's just the right thing to do to win the next election. Just for right now. For right now, and if you do the same thing every two years for ten cycles straight, that's not the same thing as having a 20 year strategy. And so what we have sort of backed ourselves into a corner of is that we have an awful lot of districts, and this is actually more true at the state level, but the numbers are much larger and it's harder to collect the data. We have a situation where we're just not competing in a third of the districts. 
we think the a Democrats. A third of congressional districts? A third of congressional districts is 155 or less. And with 155,000, and a quarter of them are $36,000 or less. But even with $150,000, you can barely open an office, you can barely hire staff, you can do yard signs, but you probably can't even do a TV ad, even in a small market. You might get some radio up, but you're just not moving a message. And an electoral system where candidates not only have to be the better choice, but they have to actually get people to come out and vote, you know, where 62% is good voter turnout, mm -hmm. not having resources to talk to the candidates is a really big problem. It doesn't matter if you're on the ballot if you can't communicate with the constituency. Yeah. And what that means is that the Republicans have in these districts unopposed voices. There's nobody countering what they say the Democrats want to do. There's no one doing what Jason Kander did in Missouri and just making the point that Democrats don't hate guns. Like we might want some we might want some different policies around guns, but they're the things that 60 and 70% of the country supports. Like we're not literally looking to go into homes and rip guns from from the hands of their owners. And Jason Kander was able in that one in that wonderfully you know, innovative ad to make that point. And that's because a Missouri Democrat is not the same thing as a California Democrat. Mm -hmm. It's not the same thing as a Vermont Democrat or a Massachusetts Democrat. We need Democratic candidates talking progressive values in local terms, and they need the resources to be heard. And that's what it starts today is about. Is to, that's what it starts today is about. We are about creating a funding floor below which no Democratic candidate falls. Because we need that message to be moved. And some of these districts, you know, if we were to dump $600,000 into most of those 166 districts, we're not going to win them, all other things being equal. Mm -hmm. Not that I think 2018 is going to be a situation where all other things are being equal. Yeah. The Republicans have done a good job of gerrymandering. And then there's just geographic clumping, like-minded people living together. And you know, in rural Georgia, a progressive isn't necessarily going to win, but there's a cost to not trying. And that cost is lack of message, it's lack of voter enthusiasm, it's people not bothering to vote because they just don't think there's anyone worth voting for. Like they don't want to turn out and vote for the unopposed Republican. Mm -hmm. They're a Democrat or they're an independent who doesn't like Demo you know, who doesn't like Republicans. And the other thing, you know, as we <laughs> see the daily stories coming out of Washington and, and the White House, is that there's, an, there's a pretty good argument that says that doing this for 20 years, focusing only on swing districts for 20 years, is one of the concrete reasons that we have Trump in the White House. Because of those 166 districts, four of them are in Michigan, three of them are Wisconsin, Seven of them were in Pennsylvania, eight of them were in North Carolina, and 12 were in Florida. Mm. These are the swing states. And when you look at the state level, and I didn't look at North Carolina and Florida in the state level, it gets even worse. Because in Wisconsin, 39 out of 135 state legislative districts either didn't have a Democrat or had one who had raised $10,000 or less. Um, Michigan... It was like 34, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And then in Pennsylvania, it was 93 out of a much higher number, like 270. But that means that not only was there no congressional candidate, but there was no state Senate candidate. There was no state House candidate. Nobody was talking progressive values in these places. And when you run the numbers, all it would have taken is 
3,000 extra votes in each of the Wisconsin congressional districts and 300 in each of the Wisconsin state ledge districts Whoa. to flip Wisconsin. Pennsylvania, it's like 2,700. And in, in uh, Michigan, it was 1,400. Mm. Like, imagine what happens if instead of having zero to $150,000, a congressional candidate has 500,000. They hire a staff, they have a field director, they run GOTV. Do you think they can't find 3,000 extra votes just by giving the person in that district who might be someone who was just not enthusiastic about Hillary Clinton but was never going to vote for Trump a reason to turn up and vote? And once they're there, they probably pull the lever for, for, for Hillary and we don't have President Trump. That's, that's the cost of this as a long-term strategy or non-strategy. So what do you think the long-term strategy should be for the Democratic Party? I mean, because it's like we're yeah. stuck in this money world to, to get people yeah. elected right now. Um, I think that what we need to do is we need to crowdfund public financing for Democratic nominees. Like we need to say, hey, for a long time now, except at the presidential level and a handful of high-profile other races, you know, the things that a move on gets involved with, you know, swing districts, some things like that. For a really long time, the vast majority of campaign finance has come from Wall Street, from Hollywood, from Chicago, you know, from Boston, from deep pocketed donors has been where the vast majority, or not the vast majority, but the majority of our overall funding has come from. And there are two problems with that. One, um, high net worth individuals are not always do not always have the same agenda as, mm -hmm. as the rest of the country. Um, many of them do. You know. You can look at Warren Buffett as just a great example of a billionaire who gets it and who's like, hey, I made a lot of money, but that doesn't mean my kids should have billions of dollars. They're comfortable, you know, but many people, that's not quite this, not, not quite true. And the other problem is that to the extent that there is a divergence between the interests of money and business interests, which are pretty closely tied, and the general public, candidates need votes, but they also need money to reach voters. Mm -hmm. And they have a tendency to side with both. They, they take both into account. And if we want to change how Congress works, and in particular, if we want to change, as I do, want to change how the Democratic Party's elected officials respond, then we, the people, need to take back campaign finance. And the nice thing is, is we now have the technology to do it. I can, and I have, put up a very simple website where you can go and make in just a couple of clicks a monthly recurring donation in increments of $4.68 that will give one penny per month to every single Democrat. And for each donor, that's not that, you know, not, that's not that much money. But we've already raised over $400,000 collectively, and we're barely getting started with this effort. How long has it been launched? Um, we launched on January 19th. Um, so we launched really with the inauguration. Um, you know, we're fast approaching 2,000 subscribers. But the nice thing about subscription-based donations is even when they're in very small dollar amounts, the money adds up. It piles up month yeah. after month after month. And we're also now starting you know, new experiments on how we reach users. And what, is, what do you think are the most effective way to reach users and um, Actually, this is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, because for me, yeah. I, I get like, you know, once you give your email address to a single person running mm -hmm. for anything, I'm on every email list asking for money. Yeah. And I got to say, I don't have that much money. Right. So when people are like, yeah, but give you, me some money, I'm you like, you got five bucks no, a month. No, five bucks a month <laughs> is good. But, but, you know, for most of them, it's they, they were just inundated with fundraising emails. Yeah. And it's like, 
over you're overhitting uh, your consumer. Yeah, you know your target, which exactly. is I don't want a message every week. I don't even want a message no. every month. I want and, a message like twice I, a year. <laughs> and honestly, for folks like you, I would say that we're a great answer. It's fire and forget. You know that you're helping everywhere, and then. Find some candidates you fall in love with, some folks that you want to back in the primaries, the one where you think this is the right Democrat mm-hmm. for this race. Um, because that's a really robust conversation that we as as a party and as the political left need to be having. So just for instance, you know, TYT mm-hmm. pretty much put together Justice Democrats. Yeah. So when Justice Democrats run through the primaries, it's just Justice Democrats money, but if one of them wins, then they mm-hmm. have access to this money to compete. Exactly. Yeah, like whoever the nominee is, we are completely agnostic. Um, the only time we have done any fundraising directly for candidates is we've done some for the 2017 special elections, but only for the Democratic nominee. Like mm-hmm. we're not, we did, you know, we stayed out of Georgia until after that first round. Oh, did um, you? Yeah, we just, well, everyone only talked about Jonathan Ossoff. Yeah. But there were like four other Democrats in that race. Um, they, you know, each performed under 1%, as I recall, but. There were still four other Democrats, and we will we will not take sides. Most of the fundraising we do is for a candidate to be determined, mm-hmm. like whoever the Democratic nominee is. But because of the way Georgia structured that election, where it was sort of an open primary and there would only be a runoff if nobody got a majority, there was no way for us to fundraise that way for that race. Yeah. So we sat out until the the first round, and as soon as the first round happened, we asked our you know asked our folks to do one time donations. Nice, but we. Did it also for Quist in Montana and for the Alabama Senate race that's mm-hmm. upcoming to replace Sessions. So we didn't just do it. Yeah, my my <laughs> feeling is it's unlikely you're going to get a Democratic senator out of Alabama. That's really true, but a well-funded campaign in Alabama means that the Democrats will have more of a reason to turn out and vote. They will get more energized. They will have a candidate who they like and who will champion their issues. Um, And they'll be more likely to vote the next time if they vote this time. Mm -hmm. They'll be more likely to give the next time if they give this time. We need candidates running even in hopeless districts. And they need to be as strong as possible. And by providing this pool of money for whoever wins, we know know, there's actual academic data now that shows that a lot of women don't run for higher office. Elected officials, women who've already jumped in, and um, you know already are elected officials, don't run for higher office because of fundraising. Mm-hmm. Well, if there's a pool of money that says you only have to raise your primary, and you know how to do that, you're already you know you've you're won your town council seat. Now you want to run for state legislature, whatever it might be. We know that this will encourage people to run. We know that people who are you know socioeconomic further down the ladder. They can't run for office. They don't have the Rolodex. They can't raise the money that they need or at least think that they need. So we know that by providing this pool of money for the general, we're going to diversify our primary pools. We're going to have more people in them. Stronger candidates will emerge. That's going to be good for the party. That's going to be good for democracy. And then you just never know where that combination of message and messenger combines and you have a rock star candidate. Not just that, but... Tactical yeah. and strategic mistakes yeah. on behalf of the Republicans. Well, and yes, it's and like, you, <laughs> you know, if if someone's mentally here and the only messaging they're getting is from the mm-hmm. right, 
you know, you start to lean over that way. Exactly. And you just, they have to be exposed to both sides or you yeah. get extremism, which is kind of where we are today. And turning out voters goes up and down the ballot. You know, an Alabama Senate race, maybe that person isn't going to, to fill, you know, maybe the Democrat isn't going to fill Jeff Sessions' seat. But there are, you know, and this is a special election, so it doesn't quite mm -hmm. apply, but let's assume we were in a general election. But there are Democrats running for mayors of the college towns in, you know, that, that trend a little more left in Alabama. The Senate candidate turns out an extra 50,000 Democrats across the state, and all of a sudden, you get an extra thousand. And since you only needed 11,000 to win, this gets you from 10 to 11 or 10-5 to 11-5, and all of a sudden, you win the election. Or you already have a Democratic mayor, you get an extra member of the city council, and now you can pass an anti-discrimination ordinance. Nice. Like there's all sorts of things like that, that there's sort of that trickle down effect for votes. And there's, we've already talked about the trickle up effect that would have been nice to have. You know, so once I, November. I would say, because we're reaching the yeah. end of the year, I would say uh, it starts today. It does start today. It starts today. It does. This is something that we're focused on for 2018. The, the what I'd call a minimum viable product from in tech speak is out there right now. We're fundraising. We're into well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, and we're going to have an impact in 2018. But this is the long game, and as soon as we get to 2018, it's not going to be four dollars and sixty-eight cents anymore. Mm -hmm. It's going to be five dollars and thirty-five cents. We're just going to be fundraising in an ongoing basis for every federal election, and we're also going to start adding in the states where you don't need $600,000, you need $50,000. Nice. And with $50,000, you can hire a couple of 22-year-olds because you give them 1000 bucks a month and a couch to sleep on, and you now have professional campaign staff organizing volunteers, putting out yard signs, and this is how we rebuild a party from the ground up. Excellent. All right, you heard it here first. It starts today. Let's get out there and change uh, this country for 2018. Thanks for your time, John. Thank you very much. If you like the interview that you just watched, I got great news for you. If you become a Young Turks member, you can watch them live as they happen. Only the members get that. You also get Young Turks live. You also get Aggressive Progressive live and Old School live. Everything is available for the members and commercial free. tytnetwork.com slash join.